Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate you guys joining us today. It's uh, one of those few days outside that is actually, it stopped raining, and so we were able to get in here without melting. Listen, before we get started, I have a very special guest with me today. He is the pastor of Elk Grove Bible Church. Uh, he is, I consider him my friend. We haven't known each other for a long time, but Pastor Justin is here today, and, and uh, uh, he comes out, he serves at the mission by preaching on Fridays occasionally, or once a month anyway, we have a rotation. Uh, so, like I said, I may not have known him a long time, but I consider him certainly my brother in Christ, and that's always the most important thing. I want to try to start today by encouraging you who are out there, who are maybe reach that point in your life when you are what they used to call in sailors' terms the doldrums, where nothing is completely horrible, but nothing is completely right in you. There's no joy in your life. There's no happiness in your life. I'm just going through a series of sermons on the uh, fruit of the Spirit, and I've come to the point where I'm going to talk next Friday about, um, about the fruit of the Spirit, which would be joy. And in the studying for the fruit of the Spirit that is joy, I think one of the problems we have in our society is that we consider joy and happiness to be an interchangeable thing, and they are not. A person can certainly be joyful and not have the outward appearance of happiness. A true believer in Jesus Christ walks with the internal joy that comes only from the Lord, which is, is delivered to him by God when we are saved, when we become born again, when we are the children of God. And so in our society today, we get the whole idea that, that you need to get things to be happy. You need to have the bigger car, the bigger house, the bigger... And we find out that there's never any satisfaction mm. in those things. Mm. There's an emptiness that always comes because happiness is contingent on the things we have, the places we are, and our situation and circumstances. If we lose our, our good circumstance, we lose our good feeling, then we're not happy. The difference between that and the joy that a Christian and only a Christian can, can have, it's implanted us in God, and it is that joy that is from within that God has given to us, and it stems from no longer, and I also wanted to get into the third of those, which is peace, comes when we have peace. And not peace as the world knows peace, just like as the world knows happiness, but the peace that comes from being at peace with God. And the only way we can become at peace with God and have that internal joy is if we have come in the brokenness of spirit, when we have come, when God has reached down and called us and we're responding to the call of God, and we come on bended, broken knees, 
hopeless and helpless and finally starting to see because of God's grace and glory, starting to see our sin as God has sees our sin. And when we get to that point and we realize that there is nothing we can do to earn our way into God's peace, then we start to understand and we, we can come and God can rescue us. And he will. So, having said all that, the peace that God gives to us is something that comes only after salvation. And so you can't exactly have joy <laughs> if you don't have peace. And if you say to me, well, I'm not at war with God. Yes, you are. Because the war started in the Garden of Eden. Man declared war on what God is the holy, righteous, sovereign Lord God. And so when you say you're not at war with God, oh, yes, you are. If you are not walking with God, you are at war with him. If you do not worship him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are at war with God, and you can never have joy Mm. that permeates from you until then. So having said that, I'd like to introduce my friend Justin to you. Justin, would you like to say hello to these folks? Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for having me on. What a joy to be here today. Amen. And to be a part of this program, and I just couldn't agree more with what you just shared. Um, the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, if we don't have Christ, there is no joy. That's right. As you were talking, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 119, mm-hmm. uh, where it actually starts off with, blessed are those whose way is blameless. And the Hebrew word for blessed is actually a word, f- could be translated to happiness, but it's not what we talk about happiness today, as you shared. It's not this flittering, momentary happiness that comes from stuff. Right. or from circumstances. It's a rested joy in God. Amen. And it's so interesting that, you know, you're in the fruits of the Spirit. Well, over a thousand years earlier, David's writing the Psalms, Yeah, and yeah. he uses this <laughs> phrase, blessed is the man, yeah. blessed is the way. Yeah. And it is starts with knowing God, right? And then right. it continues as we walk with God, and we know the joy of living in union with that Creator— the yep. creator that you said so well, right? We're at odds with, we're at war with. Yeah. When we stop being at war with the creator, it's like, wow, life is good. Yeah. Maybe that creator guy knew what he was talking about. You think? You know, maybe his plan <laughs> for life actually is good if we submit to that plan. And then you just see this, Amen. blessed is the way and blessed are those whose way is blameless. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was just thinking about that very thing and we were over in Uh, you know, the Beatitudes, and you get to blessed is the man who mourns, right? Well, okay, when you translate it as some of the the newer translations are trying to make it happy is the man, or in Psalm 119, happy is the man, it can be, as you said, translated as happy, but it can also be translated as joyful is the Mm, man. Yep. So, how do you transcribe that over into our vernacular right now? It's simple. You put that together. Happy is the man who mourns. Hmm, really? How about joyful is the man who mourns? Why? Because Jesus tells us hmm. he's going to be comforted. Right. 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 And so only a person filled with joy can have circumstances. Y- you know, you've got Job. Job is sitting, you know, he's on a pile of pottery and and ashes and he's scraping himself and he's broken and he's lost everything. And he gets, of course, the wonderful advice from his wife. 
you know, once you curse God and die, <laughs> you know. But he understands deep within his core. He doesn't know what's going on. Nobody explained to him this is any kind of test. His friends have gotten uh, him, and and they they were doing great by sitting with him, and finally they opened their mouths and destroyed the whole thing. Right. Their seven days of silence was their best <laughs> was their the best, best counsel, right? Yeah. So, but now he understands that even through all this, there is a joy that is so deep in him that he he can say, yea, though you slay me, yet will I follow you, right? Right, right. And so that's not really in the sermon, but still, it's something yeah. that you think about. Well, it's interesting you brought up the blessed are those who mourn. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think of, again, go back to David's repentance in Psalm 51, Oh yeah, and he says, "Restore to me the joy." Oh, well, what comes before the joy? Mourning. Mm-hmm. He he is he has broken over his sin. Yep. He is repentant over his sin. Yep. And what happens? God restores joy. Oh yeah. So even there, you see that mourning in the beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Mourn over what? Mourn over sin. Oh yeah. Right, because they're going to be comforted how with the grace of God. Amen. If you never mourn over your sin, you'll never be comforted by the grace of God, and you'll never know that grace. Right? Period. Right. I think we want what's the old phrase, our cake and want to eat it too. Well, we don't exactly. want to mourn we don't want to mourn our sin. Right. But we want the joy and comfort of God. Yeah, right. And and the word is so clear, right? No, mourn your sin. Right. Return from your sin. And in that you then know the grace of God. Yeah. I, I mean I, I always think that when I hear about people that say, Oh yeah, you know, uh, I had an experience with God and I had a guy, believe it or not. On a construction site, when I still did air conditioning, you know, like forever ago, and he said, I understand you're a Christian. I said, yeah, I, I am. What, what, what happens now? <laughs> and he said, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, too. Now, I knew this guy to be foul-mouthed, and I, so I was shocked. I said, well, you are? <laughs> he said, yeah, I had an experience. Okay, that's the problem. So many people who have experiences— think they're they're Christians and they're not, because if you did not come in repentance and in faith, you didn't come at all. You must believe, confess, but you need to repent of your sins, and you need to start, as we said earlier, you need to start seeing your sin as God sees your sin. It's not a trivial thing. It's not just, okay, well, you know, I did this, but, you know, I'm sorry, you know, no. You need to be broken by those sins. You need to see them for the filth that they are. And and I'm not trying to sound like some guy from the 1800s, but the reality is that the gospel hasn't changed in all those years. Sin is still sin, and that which offends God should offend his children, right? But it doesn't always, does it? No, it doesn't. We have a hard time (laughs) aligning our perspectives with his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And we tend to think that it's some kind of negotiation with God. Right. Okay, right. so God, if you will do this, I will do this. <laughs> well, no, that's not how that works right. either. Right, I'm just, I, I'm so struck by the story in Mark chapter 10 where uh, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and and he says, good teacher, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? Oh, yeah. And... Um, and the response of Christ is so striking, right? Because here is an extremely, highly religious person. Yeah. And, uh, and I've just wondered, how would I answer that question? Mm-hmm. 
I would probably give that man some form of believe in Jesus and confess and repent and turn. And and Jesus does that in a way that causes the man to go away sorrowful, right? Because he confronts this man's sinful heart and the man didn't want to hear it. No. He wanted to have Jesus and his own life. Yeah, he wanted to be justified and hear Jesus say, brother, you've done just, you, wow. You come and join our church, start tithing. We're going to, you know, we're going to make you a deacon and you, oh, please come on over. Right. 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 And yet Jesus confronted his sin of covetousness. He had broken the law of God. Mm -hmm. He said, you need to, you need to forsake your sin to come to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, the man went away sad because he didn't want to forsake his sin. And, you know, like you, like the story you just mentioned, uh, you know, a a so-called Christian on a job site. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no interest in forsaking sin. No. Um, and yet that's the heart of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? That if we really, that you think of the first sermon Jesus preached, it was real short, repent. The yeah. kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. started with that R word, that word that doesn't get a whole lot of traction today. No. But it really is what we should be talking about. What does it mean to repent, to turn away right. from our sin and seek after Christ? It is that 180 degree turn right. That, and the realization you can't do it. Yeah, you have to come with the realization that you're not able to reform your life. You can't no. just, you can't just. Okay, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to knock these sins off. You need the grace of God that permeates everything in your life. And like you said, you know, I saw those old movies like uh, from from the '50s, and they have the car, and they've got the two fuzzy dice hanging from the rearview mirror, right? And I think so many people think Christianity is taking Christ and adding him to your life without changing anything. Mm. Okay, so I I want to have the same car, same drive, same gas. I just want the fuzzy dice up on the rearview mirror. So give me the lucky rabbit's foot. Give me the get out of hell free card. And But don't bother me with all that other stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And isn't that what we see? I mean, you probably see it there at Union Gospel. We oh, yeah. see it in the local church. You probably see it in the church where you pastor. I do. Uh, where the the heart of man really wants God to be there. I call it the genie in the bottle. That's exactly I want right. God to come and be a part of my life and fix my problems, mm-hmm. but I still want to run my life. Yeah. yeah. I want to call the shots. I want to be in charge. I really want to be Lord of my life. And I want a genie in a bottle that when I'm having a bad day, I can rub that, that lamp, rub that bottle, the genie pops out, I, he can fix my problems, but I'm going to go back to being what I want to be. Yeah. I, I don't want to make any kind of a change in my own life. He's that intergalactic Santa Claus to fulfill the wish list that I have. You know, I want this, 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 and this, but there isn't even gratitude. There isn't even thanksgiving to God, to a holy, awesome God that didn't turn you into ashes the first time that you sinned, let alone the sin of Adam that's still upon us, right? Absolutely. So let me ask you something, uh, Justin. Uh, What prompted you to come to the Union Gospel Mission? And I'm grateful you did. That's a great question. You know, I grew up in a family where, uh, by God's grace, my parents love Jesus. Uh, My grandparents love Jesus. Um, my grandfather's, I want to say my grandfather's father came to Christ uh, through a gospel track somebody left in a phone booth in Chicago 
on the south side of Chicago. You might want to explain to our younger audience what a phone booth is. Yeah, it was, a, it was with a phone <laughs> no. that couldn't go in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm um, just kidding. And uh, so he he heard about Jesus through that, and then um, became his he his son became a Christian. Um, and and then just one of the I think the gifts in my grandfather's life was just really caring for people. Um, back in the old days, they called it soul winners, right? Mm-hmm. They would go and they would just love on anybody who didn't know Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, my grandfather's had more people that were homeless and battling addiction live in his home, come on over, spend the night. You need a place to stay, kind of guy. And um, living out the word, living out the word of God, absolutely, and um, just a remarkable, uh, faithful man of God. Um, and he had very close relationships with uh, with some of the pastors at Pacific Garden Mission in oh. Chicago. Oh, yeah. So growing up, we were always <laughs> at PGM, um, and so um, working, helping out in their 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 volunteer ministry, the Unshackled program. Mm-hmm. Um, some dear friends, Irvin and Flossie McNeil, run that ministry. I think they might have just retired after I think four and a half decades, um, but just precious people. Um, so then that was kind of early childhood years. And then um, in 1998, my father and grandfather together planted a church in a re- western suburb of Chicago. Oh, nice. And. Um, that was New Life by New Life Baptist Church, I think, at the time. And uh, for me, uh, really learning how to preach started at a rescue mission there in Aurora, Illinois. That's uh, some good training. Girl. Yeah, so we would go at six a.m. I think on Fridays before school, and we would do their pro. They would do their. We would do their program. We would do the music and the preaching, and and uh, God just used that in my life to one learn to love people that were unlike me. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that a lot of a lot of the world writes off and says are hopeless. Yep. And gave us a huge love as a family just for um, what the world would call down and outers, right? Yeah. And yeah. and so that's always been, I think, a part of my spiritual DNA. Yeah. Um, and just say, Lord, I want to care. What did Jesus say for the least of these? Yeah. Right. And you even see that throughout the ministry of Christ. Yep. He he went after those who knew who knew they were broken, mm-hmm. um, and and he loved them with the gospel. And so, uh, yeah, I moved out to California. I actually took some mission teams back to Pacific Garden. Um, we would go serve there at PGM. And then opportunities came up at Union Gospel. And so our, uh, both the churches I've been a part of in Sacramento, we started doing different services and volunteering at Union Gospel. Uh, I was able to take teams down several years to the Union Rescue Mission in L.A. Oh, yeah. And serve there. Yeah. Um, there on Skid Row. And so I think for me, it's just been part of my family upbringing mm-hmm. um, was just having a heart for men and women who are going through what culture calls recovery and seeing that really recovery happens as people come to know their creator. Amen. Um, we can try to reform ourselves, but that's a pretty, pretty futile endeavor. But when, regenera- when regeneration happens, when God causes someone to be born yeah, again, right. lives are transformed. And that's what we always say. We're not trying to reform the things they're doing. We're, we want them to be transformed, and we can't do that. Yes. That's something that is the work of the Holy Spirit yes. to do. And we can be that hands and feet of the gospel to reach out to those people, like you said. And, you know, uh, Pacific Garden Grove uh, in Chicago that you were talking about, that's a huge rescue mission. If I'm not mistaken, that's the one that Billy Sunday was saved at. It was. And you may not know who Billy Sunday was. He was actually before my time as well. But 
Billy Sunday was the big-time evangelist of his time, pro ball player. He was a drinker, carouser, all those kind of things. And one day he's hearing the music coming from the Pacific uh, uh, Grove Mission. And he, he actually, my understanding is, kind of went in to mock a little bit. Yep, that's it. Because he was drunk. But the gospel is not one of those things that that you can just take or, or leave it. And finally, working on, on Billy Sunday, he came to a true uh, salvation experience. And I don't mean that as an experience like something he experienced once, but the transformative power of the Holy Spirit that changed this man from the drinking, carousing, uh, self-centered, self-serving man to a man that wanted to serve Christ. As a matter of fact, he still wanted to play baseball, you know, Let's add Christ on there. And I don't mean that in any derogatory fashion, because when you come and and God has transformed your life, doesn't mean you're going to have to stop being a plumber or stop being an electrician. Uh, But here's where the commitment to Christ came. They said, we really want you to. And they offered him a lot of money. And he said, "Okay, I, I, I yeah, I want to play ball, but I can't play on Sundays. They said, well, you have to play on Sundays. He said, no, I'm not going to do it then. He never played ball again. But they say without amplification, he preached to 125 million people in his in his service. And, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, I, I've not actually heard uh, his sermons or, or anything. But my understanding is that, like your grandfather, he had such a heart for the lost. And such a love of the Bible that uh, it made what we would call successful, but that that's really the wrong word when you're talking about people's salvation, right? You, right. right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so tell me, uh, you have a chaplain, or you have a, a, a guy at your church who's one of your associate pastors, right? And yeah, so one of our elders, um, Ernie King, one of our pastor elders. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, Ernie is uh, one of the chaplains at Union Gospel Mission. He is. Yeah, we have several members, actually, that work that work at UGM. It's, it's an invasion. It is an invasion. Now, We're taking over. You know, I, by the way, <laughs> we've only got two minutes left, and I want to have Justin stay over because what I do is I try to do two radio shows week after week, so he's going to hang in and do that, but... Um, so, so did you approach Ernie about the mission, or did he approach you? I think he approached me right after I was there. He said, "Hey, we want to have men who are faithful to teach the Bible, to mm-hmm. hold to a biblical gospel. Yep, are careful with the Word of God. Yep." And he said, "So, would you be willing to come and do our program, men and staff chapel on Fridays?" So that was new for me. For years, I had been involved with uh, the evening program for yep. the guests. Yep, every night of the week. Right. By the way, and. Um, but that was the first time I'd done the staff chapel, and so it's been a blessing to get to know more of the staff and program men. Well, we just have the one minute to go, and I hope that—where uh, is your church located? It is on uh, Laguna Boulevard, right at the corner of Laguna and Dwight. Well, I can tell you this. I would never say to any of you out there, I would never make a recommendation of anything I didn't believe in. And I can tell you, listening to many messages from my brother here, and knowing Ernie King intimately, we he is a valued friend and believer, and, and I can wholeheartedly recommend their ch- your church to them. So we got 30 seconds. Anything you'd like to say? 
No, this has been good, uh, Brother Tim, and just I love the the heart that you have for the gospel. Amen. Right, that people Thank would <laughs> truly know Jesus. Amen. So as always, my dearest friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Nowhere to live, nowhere to fall. He used to have money, but he's wasted it all. His face is a photograph burned in my mind, but I pretend not to see him for the 21st time. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268. 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street. Tell not to see him for the 21st time.